the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. As we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to be able to do so in studio with my good friend Hugh Hallman. He is the former mayor of Tempe. He is an attorney in town. He is an educator. He is a civic and nonprofit counselor. He is a lot of things. He is our friend. And uh, we are going to miss you for about a fortnight, at least in person. So it's good to have you here, Hugh. Fortnight and seven years ago? Yeah. Um, yes, I will be in the Republic of Kazakhstan yet again, uh, working to continue to put Americans along a border uh, that is between Russia and Kazakhstan to continue to demonstrate to Vladimir Putin, Vladimir, um, that the Russians need to understand where the border is. They didn't understand that about their western border, the eastern border with Ukraine, uh, both uh, when they rolled tanks into Crimea um, more than a decade ago and then a year ago, February, deciding to attack the Ukrainians on the grounds that Ukraine has somehow been taken over by Nazis. Um, so I'll be in uh, Kazakhstan uh, working with uh, folks uh, – of one of our most important allies. Um, they have, since the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, with Kazakhstan becoming independent on December 16th, uh, 2000, and holy cow, that's a long time ago, 1991. Um, December 16th, 1991, that is a long time ago. Uh, that there are things going on in that part of the world and other similarly important parts of the world uh, I can really only speak intelligently and with some education about what's going on with Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and those those countries. But I think it's crucially important to the United States that we start taking a measure of what's going on there with some care and begin better holding accountable the people who have put us in a condition where the world has turned backward, not only because of COVID learning loss, you can't lose what you never got, so failure to teach uh, and the terrible destruction to our youth, but also the current uh, environment of the international relations for the United States and many other countries. You did a show, a segment, uh, an hour yesterday, I believe, uh, with one of your great guests. Brandon Weikert, maybe. It was Brandon yeah. Weikert and the discussion about the condition of the international scene. And how bad it has gotten and how scary the way he united all those problems. Correct. And uh, that is he united. He didn't cause the problems, but he united them in the, the threat of the thoughts that we really have Iraq, China, Russia and a whole host of other nations now surrounding the what uh, Ronald Reagan would have referred to as the evil empire of the Soviet Union. It's now a different set of countries that have uh, annealed together to um, to create this uh, this horror. And for me, it is the import to make sure we understand where the blame should lie so that we do not allow those who would engage in this terrible uh, lack of leadership for the United States to continue to make those kinds of decisions. And it really goes back to uh, first saying when you're as a Republican, a conservative uh, libertarian, some would say libertarian Republican in my case, uh, 
uh, pining for the days of Bill Clinton, you know how bad it's yeah. gotten. Yeah. But it was an amazing transition from 1991, uh, 92 into 93, where uh, George, w., uh, George Herbert Walker Bush had lost his race for president and uh, Bill Clinton got elected. Now, the left likes to talk about the fact that somehow Bill Clinton won this wonderful victory. And, of course, there was another player in that race, uh, a gentleman from Texas who took 15 percent of the vote, I think, most of which came from George Herbert Walker Bush. So when you add up the G.H.W. Bush votes and the what was his name? Uh, Bill Clinton won by a minority of votes and uh, carried that into the White House as if he had a mandate, um, which he did not. And yet he did an able job understanding his real position, I think, stuffed Hillary into the closet after she gummed up all kinds of health care reform. And she then just went out on the stump uh, talking about her clothing and, and, uh, and uh, her style. And Bill stuck to the policy. Well, he was tended to be a a conservative Democrat, more like uh, in the mold of a, a John Kennedy. And the reason I raise all of that as an important point is George Herbert Walker Bush, as the Soviet Union is collapsing, negotiated with countries coming out of the Soviet Union very effectively. And the remarkable piece was uh, the element here is the transition between the George Herbert Walker Bush administration and the Clinton administration. And that that went on seamlessly as it should have. And that the Clintonites picked up the leader, the leadership positions that uh, the Bush administration had taken to remove nuclear weapons from the scene from Kazakhstan, Ukraine and Belarus, leaving only Russia with its remaining nuclear weapons and ultimately entering treaties. The, the most important one for today uh, is the Budapest Memorandum signed by Russia, the United States, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, all stating that. All of them agreed that the territorial and boundaries of Ukraine, the territory and boundaries of Ukraine should be respected and would be respected. And, of course, that got thrown out the door once uh, or out the window once uh, Barack Obama became president. First, you have Hillary Clinton uh, proved up uh, incompetent in international affairs, taking the uh, reset button uh, to Russia, the that was easy button to uh, reset uh the relationship blaming the entire time uh, that uh, the the predecessor, George uh, W. Bush, was somehow incompetent as a leader of the free world and was being unfair and unfriendly to our good friends in Russia. Uh, and now we ought to remember that was the view of Barack Obama. So as he goes on CNN and broadcasts in his arrogance that he was such a great president, let's remember, he is the person who is absolutely responsible for the destruction of the international scene and allowed Russia to first go into Crimea and then his his junior boy uh, aide uh, Joe Biden becoming president fails to signal to Russia that we were serious about protecting the borders of Ukraine. So why wouldn't Vladimir Putin understand from the teacher to the student that they are cowards and failures in the international environment that uh, you have uh, Joe Biden uh, hat in hand going to Saudi Arabia begging for the gas pipes to be turning uh, back on after he's insulted Saudi Arabia? Pick your point, Joe. You can't have it both ways. And people listen to what the president of the United States says, even when he should be drooling or is drooling into a cup. 
That's the problem we face. And these are the people who must be held responsible for the fact that this failure exists, that we have Russia and Ukraine blowing the country up, that we have Russia resupplying Belarus with nuclear weapons. Go back to George Herbert Walker Bush's work, belittled by the New York Times at the time, how funny and cute it was that George Herbert Walker Bush's senior officials go into Kazakhstan and other places and end up in Banya's drinking vodka. The answer is, that's how business is done, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a culture. Remember, leftists, we respect differences in culture, unless you're a Republican trying to go along with the people you're, you're working with. So Kazakhstan gave up its nuclear weapons. Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons. Uh, Belarus gave up its nuclear weapons. We have treaties about those things. And None other than Barack Obama, the failure in international affairs, lets Russia take uh, take over Crimea. And then his junior boy, uh, Joe Biden, lets Russia roll into um, Ukraine. He had signaled in the prior summer that we would not spend treasure and people's lives defending the borders of Ukraine. That was a problem for Europe. Europe was signaling that they would not be entering those kinds of wars. And boom, Vlad took them seriously. And now suddenly uh, the Europeans realize this guy doesn't necessarily have to stop at Ukraine. Remember that our our brilliant uh, insight through our international affairs forces and through uh, the CIA and other important sources thought Afghanistan would survive for at least six months and that Kiev would fall in four days. And they got them both wrong. We saw Afghanistan collapse almost instantaneously and the Ukrainians say, oh, yeah, and stand up to fight for their country. It's a very different thing. You had Afghanis fighting to get rid of Americans in their country, and you have Ukrainians fighting to keep their country from being taken over. We ought to understand the lesson. People will fight for their territory and their way of life, even if we don't agree with it. And in the case of the Ukrainians, we do generally agree with it. They are Westerners. They are Europeans. They understand democracy. It is not perfect. They are working really, really hard to try to create something there. And we have allowed Vladimir Putin to take it over. And remember, whose fault is it? Barack Obama, followed by Joe Biden. We must hold them accountable, and I'd like to finish off on that when we come back. Yeah, when we come back, let's do. And also, I want to share with the audience something I don't think we shared, because I was going to say maybe and perhaps while you are there, you could call in. I want to explain and let the audience know what happened last time we tried that. It's an interesting story that they won't know, kind of an insight and a window into the... um, To the absolute uh, tyranny that is Vladimir Putin's regime. Hugh Hallman and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh Hallman is my guest, attorney uh, in town here, former mayor of Tempe. Uh, Do you want to finish your point or do you want me to explain to the audience and have you explain to the audience what happened last time we had you call in from Kazakhstan? How about I'll finish my point and then then you'll remind me to do this very quickly. So the finish of the point is why why today? Why now? Well, I'm delighted, frankly, that our media finally got enough attention put back on what's going on in Ukraine to recognize uh, that Yevgeny Prigozhin's effort to turn his attention uh, from Ukraine to uh, Moscow uh, caused some destabilizing things to occur. That, I don't think, is necessarily a good thing. 
Um, so Prigozhin is the fellow who is in charge of his mercenary group, the Wagner Group, uh, and has been running his own little war uh, that he's funded. Had been a longtime uh, a colleague and ally of Vladimir Putin, Vladimir, uh, and uh, was watching his forces and his money get squandered through failed tactical leadership by the Russian military. And finally it had enough and decided to turn around and head towards Moscow and took over a fairly important uh, point of leadership uh, uh, base for the, the Russians in Ukraine uh, and then in uh, Russia, stopped his march on Moscow and the Belarusian, uh, I believe it was the ambassador, uh, may have been the, uh, I don't actually remember whether it's the Minister of Foreign Affairs or not, doesn't matter, brokered a peace between Vlad and uh, Yevgeny. Uh, that destabilized things in Russia and raised the continuing point, how strong is Vladimir's control over the levers of power in Russia? He has obviously been very, very skilled. I remind people. Uh, that he came to power as an elected president, uh, effectively, to for the country. Right and after Yeltsin, right? So Yeltsin brought him in as one of his leading advisors. Right. Right. There's a lovely picture of Boris Yeltsin standing next to Vlad. Yeah. And you see that Vlad uh, comes up to about uh, Boris's armpits. So Vlad has a little bit of a, a complex <laughs> about his uh, presence. Uh, and so does not appear in many photographs with anybody taller than him. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you expect to have him stick his right hand into the front of his coat or something uh, to demonstrate his impressive uh, presence. So Vlad is isolated himself and is surrounded by sycophants that he can count on not to poison him or murder him otherwise. Because if there is an alternative to his regime, uh, like uh, Yevgeny uh potentially demonstrated, it destabilizes a totalitarian regime pretty quickly. When you can only lead and stay in control by sheer force and power, then and not by by your convincing your electorate or uh, your All your the just consent of the governed. Correct. Uh, without the just consent of the governed, fear uh, can run out when people no longer fear you, and there is an apparent uh, alternative. Well, this is a guy who has demonstrated a willingness uh, to do anything and everything to stay in power, uh, and uh, including that if Ukraine uh, does create a sufficient threat, that he has now uh, provided nuclear weapons to Belarus to use tactical nuclear weapons in the battlefield. He can then clear himself from blame in history if nuclear weapons are used because it'll be Belarus's fault. Uh, but he's done that, reversing decades of work to reduce the nuclear threat elsewhere. Remember, that's Barack Obama's fault and now Joe Biden's fault. They put this together. But here you have Boris Yeltsin's successor, who runs for office, is in power for, I think it was eight years, and Medved becomes his successor, and it was pretty clear then that Putin was still controlling the strings. Do you remember in the midst of, uh, in between the campaign, the hot mic moment when Barack Obama said to Dmitry Medvedev 
tell Vladimir to give me a little breathing space. It was on missile defense. That's tell, correct. Tell Vladimir to give me a little meeting spa- a breathing space. I have to get through the election. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Remember tell- the terror that uh, the media went through when uh, President Reagan off mic yeah. uh, picked yeah. up, said, you know, bombing starts yeah. in five. We've outlawed the Soviet Union. Bombing starts in five right. minutes. And they went nuts. This is an equally serious point, except that we all understood that Medved was being controlled by uh, Vlad, yeah. and then Vlad came back and has stayed and changed the Constitution, covering this whole notion that the rhetoric is what's important in determining whether it's a revolutionary act or not. One has to have a constitutional cover in order to justify one's yeah. terrible <laughs> acts. Uh, and in that notion, you've got a guy staying in power. This is a guy who's used polonium. Fissionable material. I mean, radioactive material to poison South his. North Korea was high, was uh, uh, yes vis- to poison his visible, his right. um, his uh, enemies. That's the person we're dealing with, and he's now been in power. And while Donald Trump was confronting him and keeping him in a box, Donald Trump was belittled. Now, as many people know, I'm not a huge, not a fan of Donald Trump's in many ways. But you have to admire the understanding of that international environment and how to run the levers of power. Here's to your point. You want to know what a totalitarian regime is like? Go to Kazakhstan (laughs) and be 19 miles south of the Russian border and do an American radio show for an hour and then have your phone disabled entirely for five days until I left Kazakhstan. It was not the Kazakhs who were disabling my phone. The Russian bots who are busily trying to stir up angst in Kazakhstan, their uh, talking heads are now referring to Kazakhstan as a fake territory, exactly the language that was being used with respect to Ukraine, that historically Kazakhstan has been Russian territory. Now, the Kazakh leadership has for 30 years been stockpiling evidence demonstrating, in fact, the opposite. So you will see in the San Francisco uh, consulate office, a map from Kaz- uh, of Kazakhstan dating to the 1400s with, ironically, a stamp from the U.S. Congressional Library, the Library of Congress official stamp on it. It was stolen from the Library of Congress and sold into a market in China where it was recovered by Kazakhstan as they're collecting this kind of data and information to remind the world that, in fact, most of the Russian territory was at one time Kazakhstan. And they they take that seriously because they are under serious threat on a daily basis that Russia might roll tanks into Kazakhstan next. With only 18 million people and a country half the size of the United States, the ninth largest country on the planet, with more oil resources than any place else on the planet outside the Middle East, and rare earth metals and everything else. So, by the way, Mr. Biden, as you're trying to fight your Native American community in Nevada over a lithium mine so you can power your electric vehicles that you insist on subsidizing and you've created your own problems, Kazakhstan has lithium. I want to um, nicely put, Hugh, I want to come back and talk a little bit more about the foreign policy legacy we were left with from this genius Barack Obama, according to CNN, this genius uh, and this um, this man who bestrides the world as strides. Uh, what a wonderful world! Is that, is that I used it right? I right? think it's beautiful. And yeah. also, should we play the Russian bear commercial? I think that would be a great fun. idea. And by the way, if anybody didn't understand, it was my phone that was disabled after appearing on yeah, Seth's right. show for an hour <laughs> right. and saying rude things about Russia uh, with Russians only 19 miles north of me.
I'm glad that uh, probably Vladimir one in the next room. This show is so important. I like that. I do too. Yeah, no, or 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 you so dangerous. Equally good. Hugh and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Hugh Hallman, thank you for what you just did in the last two segments, your perspective on uh, what was going on in Russia and what is going on. <clears throat> Larger point we were making earlier, or I was making before you got here, is foreign policy must, has to be a part of the presidential campaign of 2024. I know the consultancy class likes to poo-poo those ideas, but it betrays history, really, when you look at some of the major elections um, that that changed changed the face of the world and and changed the culture of American politics. They were foreign policy elections. Uh, 1984 being one of them, one you were involved in, actually. You were part of the Reagan campaign, 1984. He won 49 states. This, along with I, the I more, take full credit for that, by the way. You, yeah. you and you and Ed Rollins told me it was all Hellman. Yeah, that's what uh, okay. properly stated. Yeah, uh, you you were you were part of that whole Ed Rollins. I, I worked directly for Ed. I was, I was no, we're in D.C. I, I worked. I was the uh, national camp uh, deputy assistant of the national. Why did I director. think you had something to do with the California? Because when President Reagan was behind in California and only two states, California, and Minnesota. And he was behind in his own home state. The campaign went into overdrive, not wanting to lose California. It would be a terrible mark. Right. Uh, and so we spent uh, August, September, October making sure California was not going to be a gotcha, loss. Gotcha, and gotcha, gotcha. turned that number. We were 18 points behind after the Democratic oh. convention, which was in California. And we got that all turned around. San Francisco Democrats, as Gene Kirkpatrick called them, right? Yes, because exactly. They're kind of, they're... Right. Anyway, it was a for- in part a foreign policy uh, campaign. I'm sorry. It was absolutely a because you've, you've used the name that's most important to me from that campaign, and that was Gene Kirkpatrick, who was then the ambassador to the U.N., a Democrat, a registered Democrat. President Reagan asked her to remain a Democrat, and she gave gave the finest speech at a convention, bar none ever. They always blame America first. Demonstrating it absolutely was a foreign policy yeah. election. Nicely put. Nicely put. So I thought for nostalgia, I had referenced the Bear in the Woods campaign. Your monologue again, your first hour monologue was spectacular, and I wish you would. Not as, yes. good, not as good as this. There is a bear in the woods. For some people, the bear is easy to see. Others don't see it at all. Some people say the bear is tame. Others say it's vicious and dangerous. Since no one can really be sure who's right, isn't it smart to be as strong as the bear? If there is a bear. So they didn't have to fracture the inference. Everyone knew what the bear was. Everyone knew who the bear was. Um, Which, if you want to say something on that, fine, but let me get this out before I forget it because I only have the most tenuous uh, memory these days, short-term memory these days. The Barack Obama, the, the esteemed Barack Obama is giving as a world-class leader began before he had achieved anything. You were reminding me before the show he was given a Nobel Peace Prize in the first eight months of his presidency when the very first thing on the foreign policy stage that he accomplished was twofold, an apology tour uh, declaiming against the United States in front of our European allies and telling the nascent Iranian revolution, uh, or I should say demonstrators in Iran, that we were going to side with the mullahs. He said, we don't, we don't think it's a good idea to meddle with the internal politics of another country. Now, when you tell uh, one side has guns and one side doesn't have guns, we're not going to meddle, you pretty much shut down the protests, which actually had a very rare organic moment of possibly over 
overthrowing the malocracy. And of course, after Obama said that, the protests shut down completely. It was an interesting use of the word metal because that was not a view he abided by in other cases. Uh, he only abided by it with our enemies. So he didn't want to meddle against the malocracy, but he did want to meddle with our ally in Egypt, Hosni Mubarak. And meddle we did. He said Mubarak has to go, and Mubarak went, the Muslim Brotherhood came in. He did want to meddle with Libya, and meddle he did, and Muammar Gaddafi, no great friend, but who was trying to become friendlier to us, went out, and now we have three different people claiming to be the prime minister and president of Blowing the place Libya. Up. Yeah, exactly right. And of course, he thought it was a good idea to meddle in Israel as well, where he wanted to dictate to them what their sovereign territory and uh, geographical lines should look like. He only wanted to meddle with allies. Very, very odd thing, and not meddle with enemies. As far as enemies, you were quite right in what happened with Vladimir Putin in Crimea under Obama. But let us also not forget that he farmed out the entire Syrian crisis to Russia and handed that over to them after he threatened uh, a red line, which the Syrians didn't take seriously. That's the point. It's not that there was a red line that he couldn't follow up on. It's that he issued a red line that even the Syrians didn't believe he would follow up on, and son of a gun, they were right, so he farmed it out to Vladimir. He empowered and strengthened Vladimir Putin throughout the entirety of his career, this man who got a Nobel Peace Prize in his first eight months in office. I'll let you comment on any or all of that when we come right back, if that's cool. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Hugh Hallman, former mayor of Tempe, educator, builder of education institutions, lawyer, and civic and non- Profit Counselor. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh Hallman has been our guest this hour. Delighted to have him here. Hugh, uh, I unloaded a lot there on Obama's foreign policy. It was friendly to our enemies and... Um, and uh, Destructive to our friends. Yeah, and, and harsh on our friends. Very odd kind of inverted Machiavellian... <laughs> Lesson in reverse, inverted Machiavelli in reverse. In any event, um, Hugh, take it any way you want, but this is the Democratic Party now, and things have gotten, you used a great word earlier, annealed. Things have annealed uh, so so greatly against us with this new what you might call more potent evil empire that's not just the Soviet Union anymore, but is now the Soviet Union, the malocracy of Iran and China. Back in the day, China was the weaker and Russia was the stronger. Today, Russia might be the weaker and China the stronger. I use the word might advisedly. But now it also has Iran and son of a gun. Biden also pushed Saudi Arabia into that corner as well. So we're, we're facing an array, an array of problems that if we don't get right, we're going to find ourselves very small and very cabined indeed. Um, maybe they don't care. Maybe this is part of the whole idea that America doesn't need to be great. America doesn't need to be a superpower. But they sure have removed the word super from us, haven't they? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to object a little bit in this regard. Um, our influence in the world has re- been reduced significantly. Uh, I don't happen to believe that that determines whether we are great, whether this is a great country. We have, in prior eras, determined that we were going to pull ourselves in and focus on our own territory and our own worries. But each time we've done that, We've had to learn the harsh lesson that ultimately it is in America's interests that the international community be ordered in a certain way and that it is in our interests that other people in other countries have the breath of freedom that we have. And in fact, we know they yearn for that 
across the globe, regardless of the territory in which they find their feet. Why do we know that? Because it is the direction of the flow. It's which which way are they climbing over the fences? And uh, while we had a few high-profile morons wanting to climb the fence to get into the Soviet Union, they were outnumbered thousands to one by people trying to claw their way out of that morass and into the light of freedom. And that still exists in China. It still exists in, in Iran and all places across the globe. I don't find that people want to come here to be a, a shock, nor do I necessarily want to stop it. What I want is some control over that. Let's set that aside over how we control our immigration problem. But what I do want to point out is the United States and its people are great, independent of whether or not Europeans think we are, independent of whether or not the Chinese premier thinks we are. But we have to deserve and earn that greatness. And our uh, our success, our predecessors, our, our founders and those who came after them and have left this legacy to us deserve a better effort by those of us here today to maintain that legacy. And we're doing a terrible job of it. I think your, your monologue really highlights the fact that we're failing to educate kids at all, Adults. And at all, yes. let alone educate them on the founding values here, that we have a shared fabric and each of us is a thread in that fabric, and it must stay woven together to stay strong. And we have been fraying bits of that fabric. And Barack Obama, and now Joe Biden, and their brethren and sisterin, cisterns, um, <laughs> are all a piece in that. Uh, and we must reject that, because while I will respect other cultures, I am also quite willing to say that there is greatness in the culture that has been created in this Western place that is based on thousands of years of human history and learning and value given to liberty. And that each individual having an opportunity to uh, hew their own way through their life as best they can without interfering with others gives us the greatest outcomes. And that that liberty and freedom assures better outcomes for everyone. Even the poorest people are better off here than they are almost anywhere else on the planet and certainly better off here over the long run than they are anyplace else. So please, leftists, stop pointing to this country or that country for small periods of time and saying, see, we're not as good as Sweden. See, we're not, you know, yeah, they exist for a few years in, in, in exceeding us on certain metrics. But our biggest failure now is to educate our students so that they can go on and succeed. So America's greatness is not in the in the balance today because of the failures outside of our our territory, but because of our failures inside of our territory. And that has reduced our reach outside of our territory. So we do have China and Russia, etc., including Iran. My only hope about that, and I think it's a realistic one, is that like OPEC, when the oil producers gathered together as uh, an oligopoly and tried to hold us all hostage. Those don't last. Those kinds of arrangements don't last very long because each of those groups, China, Russia, Iran, other countries, all have very different interests. And so, for example, my operating principle currently is that Xi Jinping is very happy to be assistance to Vlad and allow him to hang himself because every reduction in Russian power and ability 
improves Chinese position, China's position, without actually improving its position. It's only a relative improvement. But the reality is, the reasons Russians are and always have been for the last 400 years paranoid about the Chinese is because the Chinese have always outnumbered them. You got a billion people south of that border at the Chinese-Russia border, and you've got very few people in Russia in that portion of the country. And it has been a source of great paranoia, and the reason Moscow has often looked east of toward their greatest threat. It's not Europe. Russia has been a threat to Europe, but Europe, they know, has not ever threatened, really, except for, for uh, the, the Germans and, well— uh, and we all know not to trust the Germans very far in this instance. We, we kept them from having military power until uh, the uh, Trump administration. The point being that we have these dangers. It is true. And my reason to talk about it today is you've got Yevgeny um, Brigosian threatening Moscow, which destabilizes things. That's not in our interest to have a destabilization while we are working towards Vlad either backing down, being defeated but it has to be in a way done in a measured way so we do not, do not see the use of nuclear weapons because Vlad has made it very clear. If Russia cannot exist the way he wants it to exist, no one should exist. Literally, those are the concepts he has been promulgating in Russia. That he will press the buttons to blow everything up if he can't have the game the way he wants it. That's the destabilized world in which we're living. And that is the fault of Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden. They set this up. They belittled George W. Bush for his strength in the face of uh, Russian aggression. And it is exactly the reason that Barack Obama had to do his apology tour in Europe, because the Europeans were ticked off that the U.S. was so strong against Russia and continuing to put them in a shadow. Now you've got the president of France pretending that he's important, running around the world, acting as if France has anything to say anymore. The last time France mattered was 1789, and even then it didn't matter very much. <laughs> bon voyage, Mr. Holman, on that French note. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Well, with all those problems, we still have the economy, don't we? Bank failures, possible recession, hardened inflation, stock market volatility. Where do you go to invest? Why Refi has an answer. They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. They're headquartered here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there and tell you, you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, though, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. I was thinking about that Bear in the Woods ad from 1984 and um, without as I said, fracturing the inference. Everyone knew it was Russia, and everyone knew it was the difference between a party that understood that a bear is dangerous and a party that either didn't know that it was 
excuse me, and a party that didn't think the bear was dangerous or if there was even a bear. That was the text of the language of that Hal Reiney ad for Ronald Reagan in 1984. Well, it may not be a bear right now, but we have a dragon. And there are people in this country, there is a party in this country that doesn't think the dragon can be dangerous and isn't sure there is a dragon. There's a dragon. Ask the people who live under its flames. There's a dragon. Ask the people in Taiwan. There's a dragon. Ask the people in Hong Kong. There's a dragon. Look at what's going on in Cuba. The Biden administration finally admitted that the communist Chinese have reactivated a Soviet Union Cold War intelligence post in Cuba. And China is in the midst of conversation with Cuba to build a military training facility there as well. The Monroe Doctrine specifically applied to Europe because in those days China wasn't a threat. But the principles are dead. And standing up for our hemisphere, standing up for our safety, standing up for our freedom, let's hope it's not dead too. We need a mighty St. George for this dragon. God bless you all. I am Seth Liebson. Thank you, David. Thank you, Bill. Until tomorrow, God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.